I just want to say that the, the gifted musician continues to practice. They continue to challenge themselves with hard pieces. So that's true of me too, even though I do have the gift of positivity and it is easier for me, right? I still challenge myself. Welcome to another episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast, where we discuss the ups and downs of our autoimmune diagnoses, but ultimately how we thrive in spite of it. I'm your host, Edie Sahesian. I was diagnosed in 2015 with multiple sclerosis. I've learned a lot about MS in myself over the past few years, but the most important thing I realize is that I am going to live my best life. MS and other autoimmune diseases tend to be a bit of a bummer if we let them. So why not battle back by finding our joy? Think about all the wonderful things in your life. Mine would be my family, my wonderful friends, my career, of course, Lily, my puppy. You get the drift. But if we don't pause and notice and appreciate those things, my guest today says that it's like leaving the frosting off the cake. Today, I welcome Leanne Stickle to the show. She's a mom, a wife, a fellow MSer, and a donut lover, but but so much more. Let's chat it up with Leanne. Hi there. How are you today? Good, good. Yeah, thanks for having me. I know I said Leanne is a fellow MSer, so we're going to start off, of course, with her diagnosis story. Okay, so we got to go all the way back to 2009, and I have four little kids, six and under, Okay. And I always like to remind everybody what that looks like. Four kids, six and under. It's basically mom, mom, hey mom, mom, right? Like I used to say, I take calls in the order they're received. Like I can only solve one thing at a time. So you can understand why I was so distracted, why I wasn't paying attention to myself, why being tired made sense, right? Like Saying I'm tired is the badge of every mom. I don't care how old your kids are. It's like, I'm so tired. Of course you are. You're getting interrupted sleep. People are visiting you. You're taking them back to bed. You're trying to help your husband have an uninterrupted night, right? Like all the things. So even though fatigue was such a big deal, it made sense to me. So I excused all of my early symptoms and lived with them for a long time until that summer. And I actually got out of bed and had no legs and I hit the ground. My head was really close to the bathroom trim, right? The, the door jam. And that startles you because you've always gotten out of bed, you know, before that with no normally. Oh, right. Yeah. It's like, what, what just happened? But like, I like to say, I am genetically optimistic. I believe I am that way. My grandfather, if you had the honor of meeting him, he, so optimistic, right? Like literally thought he had the world by the tail every minute of every day, you know, passed away as really not a rich man by this world standards, but that was just, yeah, it was just who he was. And so I know that I got those genes. Those genes didn't totally serve me in that moment because I was so optimistic. I just could not believe that there was anything wrong with me. And so I was having all those signs and the numbness on my left side was annoying, but well, of course I had a baby on my hip. So I just thought I had a pinched nerve. Like it just made sense. I always came up with reasons that this could be happening to me. I was a drink your water, you know, go for a walk, babies on their due dates, right? Like I just was healthy. 
And so I finally went to my family doctor to get a referral to a chiropractor because of course I knew everything. And of course I knew I had a pinched nerve <laughs> and of course WebMD, you know, served me so well. And my family doctor who I love said, time out. <laughs> You're only 29 Leanne and I really want you to see a neurologist. And so I always thank my lucky stars that I had an HMO that required a referral to go to a chiropractor. Had I not had that, had I been the boss of myself, I <laughs> don't know how long it would have taken for me to learn that there was something going on that was a bigger deal. So right. go to the neurologist. I'm annoyed I have another appointment. Right, I don't have time for this. The neurologist does the physical exam, you know, poke you, have you walk, close your eyes, hold your arms out. You know the deal. And she's yeah. like, mm, I'm not sure. I think we need an MRI. Like, what? Like, please just want to go to the chiropractor and get straightened out and unpinch my nerve that's making me have right. nervous. Oh, of course. I had the MRI. October 23rd, 2009, I go to the appointment to get the results of the MRI. Don offers to take the day off of work and go with me, but of course there's nothing wrong. So I'm like, no, that's crazy. And I go in there and she says, Leanne, we're 95% sure that you have multiple sclerosis. What was going through your mind? Wheelchair. I thought for sure they were going to put me in a wheelchair and wheel me out of the office because first of all, I hadn't prepped myself for that news. I was so optimistic. Right. I literally did not see it coming, even though here, step after step after step, I was getting closer to that truth. So, mm. and then when you're sitting there and they tell you that, and you don't know that much about MS, like I knew of someone that had it, but in my mind, it was just this like huge mobility, loss of mobility, right? And right. when you're taking care of four little kids and using all three floors of your home, that seems like the end. So super overwhelming, super overwhelming. And so I, I was devastated. I didn't really handle it. Well, I actually went into a period of mourning and of course I would still take care of my kiddos, but at night I would lay in bed and tears would just come down my face. Just, it, I just was so sad for this future that now looked different. And mm. Like I'm a type A firstborn, everything's planned out. I got the bucket list, right? And so now like chronic illness, there's no cure. Like it's yours, you get to keep it. This is now part of your story. And that wasn't what I wanted, you know? Yeah, it's kind of like all that control you thought you had went out the window. 100%, 100%. And so it took me about eight weeks of having a pity party, which is not super fun to host, definitely not fun to attend. And I'm just saying, you know, and so it took me a second until I realized Leanne, like you are a positive person. You have Papa's genes. Like you are an optimist. Let's use that. And so I really leaned in and I had not embraced fitness before that, I worked to lose weight in between babies. Like, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I just, that was the purpose of fitness for me was to burn calories. Right. And all of a sudden I realized like, oh my goodness, I need to work out. Like, what if I can't work out forever? What if I can't walk? Like today is the day. And it was like this light bulb moment and it was something I could control. I could show up on my treadmill and walk. I could go to the gym and swim or 
whatever. And so that fitness became really powerful for me. You know, I'm not ripped or amazing or win anything, but it was a place that I could, you know, show up, check the boxes, feel good, feel a little bit in control. How does that work with your obsession with donuts? <laughs> I, I love that I'm like this big contradiction because on my Instagram page, I tell people, move, move, move. Like we've got to work out people like today's your day. Have a plan. Decide. Like I preach all the time and then I'm all about the frosting and sprinkles. Right. But like <laughs> to me, that's the whole point. It's it's a balance. Right. And I, I don't work out for two hours a day. And I also don't eat a dozen donuts. <laughs> but I love treats, but I love fitness too. What's been your proudest accomplishment in all of this? Okay. This is such a hard question. Okay. Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to have to like pull the get out of jail free card and say two. Okay. Like I can't help it. Um, okay. The, the first one is the four kids. I mean, they're four teenagers now, so they were six and under at that time. We're now 12 years later. They're all teenagers. I have a freshman in college, and they are they are my dream job. Like, I love it. I love them. They're just, yeah, that, yeah, huge, big deal. But the second one is seven and a half, eight-ish years ago, I started a kid's triathlon, and I named it Try to Beat MS. And a few years ago, we became our own nonprofit. And so we have raised over $100,000 with that kids event to help patients living with MS. So we donate to two organizations. We donate to the National MS Society as one. And I believe that, that their mission of education and awareness and research are really important. And then we also donate to an organization that is called the Central Illinois MS Council. So that's where we live as Illinois. And it's an organization that was started when an individual that retired from Caterpillar, like big yellow trucks, you know, he was like a big deal. Yeah. And he retired from Caterpillar and felt like there weren't enough dollars staying in central Illinois. And so he started this and we do amazing things on the council. I now sit on that council and we literally build ramps, put in bed lifts, pay co-pays, pay for taxi. I mean, it's so cool. Like the dollars are literally solving big problems for people and improving the quality of life for patients living with MS. So those are the two organizations that we support. Yeah. I'd be pretty proud of both of those things that you just talked about. That's really amazing. You're really going and helping others and that fills my bucket. And I don't know about you, but I, I'm a friends watcher. And when Phoebe says there's no thing that you can do that's not selfish, it, it's kind of true because it helps you in your brain and your mindset so much. And I know mindset is such a big thing for you. What brings you the most joy? There are so many things that bring me the most joy. I mean, the most is that's such a that's a hard one. But like the top of the list definitely would have to be my family brings me the most joy. But a close second is just helping others to see their life differently and to help them change their perspective and teaching people how to focus on things that they can control and get excited about those. I mean, that brings me so much joy. Okay. But this list is really long. Like I have a really cute white fluffy dog that brings me a ton of joy. Donuts. Definitely. I mean like this. Okay. <laughs> I, I think you have like trick questions. This is not, I'm not, I'm not doing, <laughs> I don't think I'm doing good on this test. <laughs> yeah. 
I feel like your life is a bucket of joy. Like that's what you strive to have all the time. And your um, business that you, that you work at brings joy to others. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? And like we were touching on a minute ago, the mindset piece. Yeah, for sure. So I'm a life coach and a speaker. And so what that means is really, I, I get to be the coach that helps you see what you're doing right and where you need to improve. I get to help you see what needs to be put on a shelf and made peace with and what is left over that we can be excited about and make progress in, right? And so really, I felt like I was coaching for a lot of years, um, and, but not like officially, right? Like not, not for hire. And then basically when 2020 happened, it created space in our schedule and I decided to lean in and I went through a program and it kind of gave some structure to what I already knew I loved to do. So coaching women with chronic illness is really my passion. What's interesting is that I, and I have ended up with quite a few women that don't have chronic illness and which is perfectly fine. It's so cute. Like they come to me and say like, is it okay? I don't have a chronic illness. Like, Yay for you. Like, yes, it's awesome. I'm so happy. So it's not a prerequisite for hiring me. And what they, and I think the truth is, is that everybody is facing something hard and it may not be called chronic illness, right? But we all have things that are out of our control and they can take so much of our energy. Those things that are out of our control, but are crummy, right? That we didn't choose. And so helping people make peace with that and then make progress, because I believe that we find contentment in progress. And so when we feel stuck, right, then we don't feel content with our life and contentment. That's the goal is to feel content with. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, I always, this is a selfish podcast because I learned from all of you guys so much. And now you're making me reflect and say, hmm, that makes a lot of sense for me because that contentment, right? I, I find contentment in helping others. And when I don't get to do that, I am not happy. I'm just, I, I feel like there's something missing. So that makes a lot of sense to me, Leanne. Yeah, totally. It's it's like you, I think that we have this feeling that we should be getting check marks, like something should be done and then I'll be content. Now, when I get this done, then I'll be content. But that's not really, that's not the truth. It's it's in making progress, right? It's being in motion that that's really where we find contentment and that will be a continual thing. So that's the one hat. The other hat is a, a motivational speaker. And I like to say, like, depending on the crowd, it's sometimes more instruction, sometimes more inspiration. And really what I love to teach is how to be positive. I do not believe that it's impossible to be positive for someone that feels like they are a pessimist. I think some people think that you're just born that way, right? And I think that it's kind of like music. We all know someone that is a gifted musician, right? And they can sit down at the piano and they can play anything and you're like, what? Like, that is not fair that they can do that. Mm -hmm. Okay. But I took 13 years of piano. I am not a gifted musician. I can play and I totally enjoy it. The lessons were worth it. Will I ever be as good as the gifted musician? No, I will not. But there was a ton of value. I believe that being positive is the same way. Like I was born this way. Like I realized that it is my gift, but I can teach it. So is the pessimist really going to turn into a, a true optimist? Maybe not. 
but they can be more positive. They can get better. They can enjoy the skill and it can actually, you know, make their lives better. What you're saying sounds doable because everybody's making progress and moving forward if they're working on it. So it's not unattainable at the end of the day. And I, I think that more people need someone like you just to help them see that big picture and what that looks like. Because when you're in it, it's very hard to see beyond the the crap, beyond oh. the ugly, beyond the negative, right? And so when you have that person outside kind of looking in and saying, you can do this and being your advocate and spokesperson almost, that is so helpful in being able to get out of the crap, as I said. So totally. It's <laughs> it's very difficult to coach yourself. Very difficult. And what's interesting is that all the women that I've worked with, they are doing better than they think they are. And it is not until I listen to them and point out all the things that they're doing well or all the things they're doing right that they finally give themselves credit. And I just have found it wasn't something that I went in knowing. But as I've, as I've worked this past year, I've noticed like, oh my goodness, these women are doing amazing things and they don't give themselves credit for it. And I have the privilege of pointing it out to them and helping them realize that they can do more great things. Okay. I hear what she's saying. I think I need to talk to you more often. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I know how you maintain that, that thriving mindset. Because, you know, you say that it's it's a genetic thing for you. You were born that way. But you've surrounded yourself with things that help you to keep that going. And I think that, you know, your family and the kids and seeing their progress is just an incredible thing for you. Am I wrong? You're definitely not wrong. Yeah, I'm totally obsessed. And I just want to say that the, the gifted musician continues to practice. They continue to challenge themselves with hard pieces. So that's true of me too. Even though I do have the gift of positivity and it is easier for me, right? I still challenge myself. So that's really where Frosting Fridays was born. And, and Frosting was born when I was first diagnosed. Okay, because, and I'm gonna kind of like circle back to the diagnosis journey. When I was diagnosed, I would literally, I thought that my hand was more numb after I knew I had MS. It wasn't actually more numb, but I was more irritated at it. And it was like, <laughs> you know, like when you're so focused on it, then it's a bigger, hairier deal and you're just hacked mm. off and salty and right. And it's just this constant reminder of something going on inside of me that I couldn't fix. And so I would look uh, down at my left hand and I would be so, <laughs> I'd have such a bad attitude. And then, okay, <laughs> I would notice a cute watch. Like this is, this is a cute watch, right? And yes. you can see it. And I love watches and I have cheap ones, expensive ones, you know, bright ones, plain ones, all, all the watches. And I would start to notice it. And I started calling it my frosting because it would distract me from my crummy left hand. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm so glad I bought this. You know, like I just pat myself on the back or whatever and just be happy again for this cute watch. And what I realized is that sometimes life is like dry crummy cake, right? Like it's just what you get. And when you went to make the cake, it wasn't the plan to have dry crummy cake, right? But sometimes that's just what you get. But when we have dry crummy cake, we add frosting. And when we add enough frosting, we can still enjoy the bite. 
And it's the frosting in our life that can make it sweet. It can still, it's still enjoyable, right? And so from that point on, I mean, literally for the last 12 years, I've been looking for frosting. And you quoted that at the beginning that when we, we all have good things in our life, we all do. And when we don't pause and notice them and feel thankful for them, that frosting is in the jar. It is not on the cake. It's not helping, right? So we have to pause. And so I started on social media, Frosting Fridays, the hashtag, in an effort to help people to notice like healthy kids, sunny sky, you know, your cute puppy, your healthy blah, 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 your trip, your pool, all of it, right? And it's in the stopping, noticing, posting that it makes a big difference in your life. I I can see that. And your list that you were just listing, I'm like, yep, I have that. And I have that. And I am thankful for those things. And it does kind of wake you up to say, okay, there's much more great stuff going on than there is crappy stuff. So that is, yeah, music to my ear is what you're saying. And let's start really participating everybody in those frosting Fridays. I think that it just, it's a little pause for five seconds to just say, yay, I have these good things going on. Well, and you know what? When you post about your Birkenstocks, I go, oh my goodness, I have those Birkenstocks. You're right. I love those, <laughs> right? And so it's this beautiful yeah. domino effect of helping people to mm-hmm. see those same things, right? Just like what you said. You said a whole list and, oh my goodness, I have those things. And now I'm clapping inside. And the my favorite, favorite review from a client is Leanne. My situation didn't change, but my perspective did. And to me, that was like, oh, yay, that was the whole goal, you know? And because perspective is so powerful and a lot of times our situation can't change. Yes. Yes. Perspective is super powerful. Tell us about that more. I know you have a smile therapy that you do. Does that relate to the, the positivity piece? (laughs) So I think that there's some people that struggle more with smiling Yes, I think we can all agree. I was reading an article about smile therapy, about just smiling for one minute in the mirror or to your mom or to whatever. And I have found it to be very helpful, especially for kiddos that are struggling with just feeling Uh, salty, right, on the inside. And if you just try it for 60 seconds and just smile for 60 seconds, it's really hard to not keep smiling or to not laugh at yourself or at each other, right? And... So yeah, it's just a little simple trick. It's it's not anything fancy, but I do love to encourage people to try smile therapy, especially teenagers. I, I think that every time I do one of these podcasts, I have a little bit of it because my face hurts at the end of the show from smiling so much because everybody is just so inspirational and happy and, and it's just refreshing, right? And so there's my smile and I'm in the camera, so I'm seeing it too. And it does work. When I finish... Um, Um, the show, I have this just different perspective, different sense of, you know, happiness has been added to my day. And I can see how that smile therapy would align with that. Yeah, that's a great tip. Do you have any other tips for us today that you'd like to share? Well, I just want to encourage people to move. I do think that movement does matter. And I find that, so my, my foundation of habits that I encourage every client, every person, everybody is water, movement, and gratitude. 
So those are three really important foundational habits that I think everybody on the planet should be embracing. And it seems like if we don't have those figured out, it's hard for us to make progress on other goals. So fitness, water, gratitude. Whether your gratitude is talking into your phone or writing it in a journal, just pausing and including that in your healthy habits allows you to feel at peace to move forward on other bigger projects, right? Because we're all on a journey of self-improvement. And whether we embrace it or not, we really are. Everyone is. So those are that's three things that I encourage everyone to do. And fitness is such a huge one because it feels like if you don't have it checked off, it kind of bugs you. You know? Yeah. And a lot of people view it as a prescription and nobody wants another prescription. So learning to embrace it, love it, and not just fit it in, but actually enjoy it or look at it as frosting in your life. The, the fact, you know, MS really changed that for me because before it was just blah, 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 fitness. I was an academic, not an athlete and had no interest in fitness. But then when you say it could be taken away, that's totally different. And knowing that my why was that I can move, like I can move, so I should, then motivation just showed up when I was really clear on that why. And when I think we realize that, that's when it becomes more of a, I want to than I have to. Oh, absolutely. And that's so powerful, right? So, th th you know, from a, from a life coach perspective, that, that's super important. I felt like one other thing that I wanted to share here was that I was on Copaxone for seven years. And so I gave myself a lot of daily injections. And then, and I thought that my optimism was going to work out perfectly and that I was going to be the one person that the disease did not progress in because I was just so positive and I was just going to work magic until 2017. And I developed optic neuritis and it scared me half to death. And mm. I had was back in the hospital and I actually switched and went on Lemtrada because I had a new lesion near my spinal column really here. And I mm -hmm. always say that it's like the high rent district of your central nervous system. That's where my new lesion was. And so we paid attention and I did something a lot more aggressive and went on Lemtrada. I did Lemtrada too. I didn't realize that you had, what okay. was your experience like? It, so to date, it feels like my experience was good because so far my labs have been excellent and I'm not mm -hmm. having to change drugs. I, my first round was uh, 2018. Second round was 2019. And 2018 was rough. I actually developed thrush and strep and at the same time when, and so I was really sick and the afterwards because right, you have no immune system. And so lucky me, I found strep somewhere from the bed to the car. I'm not really sure how that happened, right? And so I had a hard recovery from it. It really wiped me out. And, you know, when they give you a prescription for 10 days and it does nothing to the strep, that's how you know your immune system is non-existent because the drug was, was made, a prescription, right, was made to work in tandem with your immune system to, to, to beat the strep. And it didn't work. So then you do it again. And then, you know, I, I, obviously I'm fine, but it was rougher than I expected to recover from. Round two, I went in knowing a lot more and taking care of just all the things, you probably feel the same way. And so I did a lot better with round two. Yeah, I had a similar experience, but I also learned some really great things that prepared me for the pandemic. 
so that I was prepared for that because I know what it's like to have that <laughs> compromised immune system. Oh yeah, I wear I wore masks before they were cool because I was like super yes. careful and I just wore a mask and I didn't care and to basketball games or whatever with the kiddos and like, you know, where everybody walks a big wide circle around you because they think you have the plague. And then my, yes. da my daughter had some masks made that said, it's not, it's not me, it's you. <laughs> so I actually, That's great. <laughs> and yeah, so I agree with you on the lessons learned. And then in 2020, I developed Graves disease, which 40% chance, right, of developing a thyroid issue. Yes. When you're on Lemtrada, that journey has not been, it, it's been nothing compared to MS, right? Uh, not, to, not to discount thyroid issues. I'm sure that people have a wide range of how bad that affects them, but the endocrinologist was on top of it and you know, I can take medicine for that. And other than a little extra fatigue on top of the already fatigue, you know, it's, I'm used to taking a nap. I had developed a thyroid condition as well. So, yep. All that tiredness. And it's like, is this my MS or is this my thyroid? And it doesn't matter. I'm just going to deal with it and move on with my life. But yes, that that did happen to me as well. And what I like of the Lemtrada was that they continue to do those labs. So they stay on top of everything that's going on. What, what would you say? I know I'm switching subjects now. What would you say is your favorite place on this planet that really fills your bucket and what's its significance to you? So my favorite place is the beach, hands down. It to me is just this sunny, happy, white noise, right? That kind of drowns out all the other noise in the world and maybe even your thoughts. Like it just feels so peaceful to me. And I love the summer even though the heat doesn't really love me. But at the beach, you know, you can get in, you can get wet, cool off, keep your core body temperature down. It just is. And, you know, another reason that I love the beach is that it entertains all ages. And so as a family, I love it. Yeah. Leanne, how do you get to the beach since you're in Chicago? <laughs> I'm in, well, I'm actually in central Illinois. But okay. Or Illinois, I, excuse me. Yep. You're good. I, Grew up in Michigan, so Lake Michigan is gorgeous, like just gorgeous beaches. Uh, and our family regularly goes to Fort Myers Beach during the winter. Yeah, and that the coast over there is just gorgeous. And yes, that white sand and it's it really is a lovely thing. It takes you away from everything, even if it's just for the couple hours you're there. So that's nice totally. too, because it probably reminds you every time you come down of those great times you've had. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't get enough. <laughs> so how do you inspire others to make the most out of their lives? Oh my goodness. <laughs> how do I inspire them? Hopefully by showing up on social media and being available and accessible and showing them that it's possible. And what I've sharing, what I've learned in the last 12 years, I am working on a book. I, can't give you an exact date of when that will be wrapped up, but I really want to share tools, like practical things that people can use every day, every week that will help them to see hope, right? To find the hope because that's what we all need, right? Hope changes everything. And when we're so wrapped up in the crummy, it's really hard to feel hopeful. 
Yes, it's so true. So hope, and we're going to keep smiling. We're going to move. We're going to drink our water. What was that last one you said? Gratitude. And gratitude. You, you got to write it down. Write it down or put it in your notes in your phone, something. Keep a journal. It'll impress you how much you have to be thankful for. Leanne, thanks so much for being here today. Please tell everybody where they can find you. Oh, yeah, this was just so much fun. Thank you for having me. You can find me at I am Leanne Stickle on Instagram. That's where I show up the most. You can find Leanne Stickle on Facebook, but I like to pretend that I'm not as old as I am, so I'm not always over there. So Instagram is better, or you can find me at LeanneStickle.com. Thanks, Leanne. Keep thriving. Thank you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. If you would like to join our growing community of thrivers, there are a lot of ways to do so. Visit the website at thrivingoversurvivingpodcast.com. There you'll find links to all our social media, my blog, and lots more. See you next time when we chat it up with another autoimmune warrior on the Thriving Over Surviving podcast. Keep thriving. Keep thriving.